morning, we are continuing on in our series on Ephesians. Uh, my name is Dave, as Alex said, if I haven't met you before. It is really great to be continuing to journey through this letter together. And we're going to hop straight in and read our passage for this morning. If you want to follow along in your own text, um, now's the time to grab that out. And we're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 5 verses 8 to 20 this morning. And so this is Paul, he's writing to the church at Ephesus, and Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 to 20. Let's read this together. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to start this morning by talking about what Paul is talking about at the top of this passage, and that is that idea of darkness and light. Because the reality is there's a big difference between darkness and light. When we think about dark and light, there are lots and lots of different visual examples that we can probably think of. Here's just a few. Uh, the sun and the moon. Stars that are in the night sky. Uh, a romantic candlelit dinner. Hopefully, uh, you've got the other lights turned down and the candle's doing its thing, guys and girls. Uh, the solar eclipse. Um, the most popular movie trilogies um, ever, they have a light versus dark theme that run throughout the storylines. Let's think about Star Wars. Uh, there's this, for this force and the, the balance of the force goes between light and dark. There's the light side and then Darth Vader famously says those words, come to the dark side, Luke. Um, in The Lord of the Rings, J.R. Tolkien's epic, there are battles between two forces. The light force, which is kind of depicted by Gandalf and the elves, and then in the dark you've got uh, Sauron and his minions. These light and dark sides um, show these two different opposing sides that are so far apart in these movies. They are very, very different. And so the thing that's really significant here about Paul starting this passage talking about light and dark is that there is a huge difference between the two. We're not talking about a minor nuancing here. This is something that is strikingly different. And so how we live out our lives matters because we have gone from darkness to light. 
Um, when someone comes to the realisation of something, they might use that expression, I've seen the light. That's a very common thing. Uh, basically, we're saying, I've gained some sort of insight or I have become aware of something that I wasn't previously aware of. And Paul here says, you are light, so live as a child of light and find out what pleases the Lord. Uh, we've got a little bit of a tradition as a family and that is whenever we go south past Dreamworld, we like to stop off at Dreamworld, but thankfully we don't go in through Dreamworld's doors. We like to actually go uh, to the Lego store out the front of Dreamworld. And that's because we've got kids who love their Lego. Anyway, uh, we were on holidays for this one particular time and we headed off to uh, down south, past Dreamworld, we stopped off at the Lego store, and because it was a holiday, we wanted to make it really memorable for our kids. We were like, we're gonna let you guys buy something that's a little bit higher than the price point we normally would let you buy Lego at. And now, when we first told our kids this, they were, of course, like, who are you? Are you really our parents? I can't believe you're actually doing this. But once the reality set in, they were like, okay, we've got this mission. This is amazing. And so, as they went through the store and looked at the various different sets with their price points, um, I found myself talking to them and asking them, are you happy with this set? Are you sure you're happy with this set? I don't want to walk away from here disappointing, disappointed, and I know you don't. Um, have you considered this? Have you considered that? I was asking all of these questions because at the end of the day, I wanted my kids to be happy. I did my best to try to find out what was pleasing to my kids. When it comes to pleasing God, do you stop and think about whether your actions are pleasing to him. Paul here tells the Ephesians that they need to find out what pleases God. Find out are the key words. To discover, to discern what those things are that are pleasing to him. And this requires us to use our minds. We need to be people who are active in thinking through and asking questions about whether the things we are doing are actually pleasing to God or whether they are not. And we are the ones who have this responsibility to think through these things. If we choose to ignore this and just say, you know, I'm just going to do whatever I feel, think feels right in the moment, or I'm going to justify my actions with some sort of excuse, well, that is the complete opposite of what Paul is talking about here. And then in verse 15, he says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. One of the most common sayings that I say to my kids when there's any sort of risk involved, or significant risk at least involved, is those two words, be careful. And by telling my kids to be careful, I'm essentially saying, pay attention, get aware be on the lookout for what is about to happen or what could happen. And Paul is saying here, for a wise person, when it comes to living out our lives, you need to pay close attention to what you do. Stop and think about your actions. Are they correct? Are they accurate? Are they considered? As we've been talking about, we're right now in the middle of renovating our crash space into our new cafe, and Alex and the cafe team are doing a really great job of bringing everything together to make the space come together. But 
To do this, they need to think through the details. They need to think through the process, the method, the fine things. They need to communicate with each other, and then they need to make well-informed decisions along the way. Now, if they don't do this, there is probably a pretty good uh, likelihood that the end result will be a space that we don't want to hang out with in. But thankfully, uh, we can already see the wisdom that is on display and the way that the cafe space is starting to come together. Wise decisions. And then Paul tells us, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Another way of saying make the most is to redeem the time. And in the uh, NIV, the Greek here of redeeming the time means to, to buy or to purchase to buy back or purchase the time. So a good way we could translate this is buy up every opportunity. In one of his classic sermons, of which he has many, Billy Graham said this about time. He said, each of us have the same amount of time every day, 1,440 minutes a day, 168 hours a week. The days of our lives are 70-odd years. Let's think about those 70-some years for a moment. The first 15 are spent in childhood. We spend 20 years of our lives sleeping. In our final years, physical limitations can curtail our activities. So you've probably only got about 30 years left. Now, part of that time needs to be spent eating, And part of that time needs to be spent working, so how much time do you have left? What is your life? It is even a vapour that appears for a little time and then vanishes away, says James 4.14. Just a vapour. It comes up like a vapour and it's gone. That's what your life is in eternity and in the sight of God. The Bible says, redeem the time because the days are evil. We need to be people who buy up every opportunity that we have been given because time is passing by. The reality is there needs to be, to some degree at least, a sense of urgency and intentionality in the way that we live our lives because the time we have here is limited. What we do in our lives is not aimless, it's not just a series of these fast-paced activities that we do that aim to keep us busy and entertained as we go through our life. Our lives are instead a steady, continual progression towards the goal. And what is the way we progress towards the goal? It is there for us in verse 17 in this passage, where Paul says, understand what the will of the Lord is. Where are you going with your life? Are you progressing towards a greater understanding of God's will and what He wants for your life? Sometimes when we think about will, uh, we often will think about the big, grand, overarching plans that seem far off and way into the future, things that aren't accessible right now. But I want to try and reframe that or or reposition that and, and say, you know, what is God's will for you today and tomorrow and the next day? Bring it a bit closer to home. As followers of Jesus, we need to be people who live out God's plan for our lives, buying up every single opportunity that comes our way. We need to be people who redeem the time because the days are evil. What's this saying talking about, the, the days being evil? 
Well, it's not saying that the time that we're living in right now is an evil time. It's not saying that. It's not saying that the world that God created is an evil world in itself. But what Paul is saying here is that evil exists in our world. There is an existence, there is a presence of darkness and evil, and that exists in our world that we live in, and it has a very real influence over our world. But just as evil and darkness has an influence over our world, so too does light. When it comes to evil, Paul then says, don't have anything to do with it. Get away from it. Don't do anything with the fruitless deeds of darkness, rather expose them. So he's saying, don't participate. Don't partner with anything that resembles evil. Being involved with sin is not an option for people who are light. And so there needs to be a clear difference between light and dark that we can see. There should be this separation that occurs. So if there is a separation, if that is the case, should we distance ourselves or separate ourselves from sinful people? If you have two groups that are arguing over a, a, some sort of problem uh, and they believe and hold firmly to their convictions to the, to the absolute very end, usually when we think of separating those two groups, we think about creating distance, creating this separation, this geographical, physical separation between the two groups, create that distance and then they can kind of simmer away and do their thing in their separate spots. When it comes to themselves from the world, to only associate with other believers, to only do things that are overtly Christian in nature. And while I'm not saying that we should do things that aren't Christ-like, we should not be people who try to separate ourselves from the world. We should separate ourselves from sin, not other people. As as Christians, we can be prone to separating ourselves from non-Christians around us. Uh, we don't like, when we don't like the way someone behaves or a part of their lives appears a bit offensive to us, sometimes we can go, well, you know, I'm going to just distance myself from them because I just don't like that. And it's a good thing to not like the sin, but to separate ourselves from people, that is not what this is talking about here. Jesus, when we think about Jesus and his time here on earth, he had his biggest conflict with the religious leaders of the day. He argued and debated and talked with them, but he didn't just hang out with the religious leaders. Jesus hung out with those who were outcast in society, who were considered the immoral, the lowest of the low. And so how can we begin to share the gospel message, the good news of who Jesus is and the hope that we have for this life and for the life to come, how can we do any of this if we do separate ourselves from unbelievers? We cannot. So knowing all of these things, knowing the way we live our lives matters, that we're called to find out what's pleasing to God, to live these careful, wise lives, to use our time, buy up every opportunity while we're here on earth and stay connected in the world. What does it actually mean for you and I to live in the light? I've got three things for us to talk about this morning. And the first thing is to live in the light is to let the light do its work. Uh, earlier on this year, we had our men's retreat, which was a really great time together. And as a part of that men's retreat, we had a bonfire because that's what men do when they get together, right? You make a bonfire and you hang around that bonfire. But you don't just have any old bonfire. You make a huge bonfire and you keep trying to make it bigger and bigger. Um, 
on one of the nights uh, when the bonfire, that huge bonfire had died down a bit, uh, a lot of us were sitting around that fire and just hanging out and chatting. And I looked up into the sky and because there wasn't a lot of light pollution where we were located, I kept my eyes fixed on the sky, and the longer I looked up there, I could see things like the Milky Way, it was more obvious, and there was a whole bunch of stars as well that were much more visible than what we would see here where we are. And as I kept my eyes focused up and away from other light around me, I began to see more and more of the stars and the things revealing themselves, the Milky Way and everything there. It began to flicker and shimmer and do a whole bunch of things, and I saw and I became aware of those stars. Uh, the longer that I looked up at them, I noticed them. And so to live in the light for you and I is to flicker and to shimmer and to sparkle and to draw attention in a good way, in a way that other people take notice, in a way that other people ask, what is going on with this person's life that is different, that is distinct, that is not darkness? Uh, number two point is the light will be light. It sounds obvious, but it is worth mentioning that light can never be darkness. That means that certain behaviour in our world just does not fit with darkness. It never will fit with darkness and it never can because light cannot be defined by darkness. Light can stand out in the darkness, but it cannot be defined. It will always be light. And the third thing is that the light is not offensive. It's not offensive. When it comes to the way that we choose to live as Christians, we can be so conscious of our, how our lifestyle appears and how we look to other non-Christians. You know, we don't want to be known as the holier-than-thou Christian who um, is a hardline rule keeper and is judgmental. And that is a good thing, that we don't want to be known as that. The other thing that is always good here however, is the light. The light is always good. It is not offensive. And so while other people may take offence to the light and choose darkness, that does not mean that the light is offensive. An important thing to note here as well and to say, I think, is that this doesn't give us the badge or the licence as Christians to just go around and do whatever we want, claiming that we're doing it because the light is good. That's not what it's talking about. But what it does mean for you and for I is that we should be confident that we can let the light do its work in illuminating, in exposing, in shining. And sometimes as Christian, Christians, we can feel that sole responsibility to be the ones who lead those non-believers in our lives that we come into contact with, to lead them to Christ. We can feel that we have that responsibility. And sometimes in our lives, this will be the case. We will have that amazing privilege and opportunity to do this. But other times it won't. Whatever the case is, we should be people who are open to be letting the light do its work. Uh, with the great success of Alpha and, and the way that that course has just had such an impact on Australia and churches across denominations, particularly over the last couple of years, we've seen just how the Holy Spirit has been the one who's been at work convicting and drawing people to God and completely transforming and changing lives because of that particular course. And I truly believe that this is a result of letting the light do its work 
letting the light shine out there to expose and to transform and illuminate. And sure, God is using people as a part of that, and we absolutely have a responsibility as a part of that. But when it comes to something like Alpha, where other people are making a decision to follow Jesus, we shouldn't be the ones who necessarily feel the pressure of that decision. We should be the ones who let the light do its work. To live in the light is also to expose the darkness. As the light shines and illuminates, it also exposes this darkness, this death and decay and this kind of rotting away that often will occur for us in isolation. And a lot of the time with that darkness, the reason why it's in isolation is because we have a sense of guilt. As Christians who live in the light, we have the responsibility to expose the darkness which actually means that you and I have the responsibility to confront sin in the lives of others. Now, some of you might be squirming in your seat when you think about that and feeling really uncomfortable. And fair enough, because historically over time, more often than not, when Christians have confronted sin, more harm than good has been done. And that is why how we actually confront sin depends greatly on your relationship with other people. We do not have any right to force our beliefs on others, but at the same time, we can't be passive when it comes to calling the darkness dark, because that's what it is. And this is why our our lifestyle and the relationships that you and I build and develop with other people is so important when it comes to letting the light do its work. If light actually has the power to transform, then as agents of light, We need to do what Paul's saying here in being wise and discerning in every situation that comes our way. And and that takes effort. That is hard sometimes. That is uncomfortable. Uh, That is inconvenient for us sometimes. Uh, There might even sometimes where there's tension that exists when we're talking about sin that uh, that is visible. But I want to encourage us in remembering the call here that throughout this whole letter of, to the Ephesians, the call to peace and the call to a unity in God. And I really think that that tone sets the tone when it comes to us communicating with others and confronting sin in the lives of others. If you and I are family, if we are brothers and sisters in Christ, then for me personally, I want my brothers and my sisters to be calling me out on anything that doesn't resemble light in my life. I want to be alerted to those dark spots in my life so that I can deal with them and that I can receive healing. And I mention this because I think it's important for us as a a church, we do celebrate the wins together. We mourn the losses together. We carry each other's burdens together. But as society continues to become more and more fragmented and distanced and the culture of individualism more and more rampant throughout our society, the way that we push back against this is to live in the good and healthy messiness of community together. We're never meant to do Christian life on our own. We never. We need others to help us to reveal those blind spots in our lives. And I want to encourage you, give your friends permission to do this, to reveal those spots, to speak positively into your life. Because the amazing thing is, when we allow this to happen, together we can see and receive transformation and healing from God as He works in those spaces where you and I are bold enough to expose the darkness. And the third thing to mention about living in the light is to live in the light 
is to leave the light on. Max Lucado tells this story in one of his books called The Parable of the Candles, and it goes like this. There was a blackout one night. When the lights went out, I fumbled to the closet where we keep the candles for nights like this. I lit four of them. I was turning to leave with the large candle in my hand when I heard a voice. Now hold it right there. Who said that? I did. The voice was near my hand. Who are you? What are you? I'm a candle. I lifted up the candle and I took a closer look and there was a little tiny face in the wax. Don't take me out of there. What? I said, don't take me out of this room. What do you mean? I have to take you out. You're a candle. Your job is to give out light. It's dark out there. But you can't take me out. I'm not ready, the candle explained with pleading eyes. I need more preparation. I couldn't believe my ears. More preparation? Yeah, I've decided that I need to research this job of light giving so I won't go out and make a bunch of mistakes. You'd be surprised how distorted the glow of an untrained candle can be. All right then, I said. You're not the only candle on the shelf. I'll blow you out and I'll take the others. But right then I heard the other voices. We aren't going either. I turned to the other candles. You are candles and your job is to light dark places. Well, that may be what you think, said the first one. You may think that we have to go, but I'm busy. I'm meditating on the importance of light. It's really enlightening. <laughs> and you other two, I asked, are you going to stay too? A short, fat, purple candle with plump cheeks spoke up. I'm waiting to get my life together. I'm not stable enough. And the last candle had a female voice that was very pleasant to the ear. I'd like to help, she said, but... Lighting the darkness is not my gift. I'm a singer. I sing to other candles to encourage them to burn more brightly. And she began a rendition of this little light of mine. The other three joined in, filling the closet with singing. I took a step back and considered the absurdity of it all. Four perfectly healthy candles, singing to each other about light, but refusing to come out of the closet. As Christians, too often, the light shines only for a few hours, and then it can be for us sometimes back to life as usual. I know what that's like far too often. We believe we're light in the Lord, but we can be quick to flick that switch off. And it can and does happen to us all. We are not perfect after all. And that means we are prone to selfishness and to turning inwards to ourselves, and sometimes at the expense of others doing those kinds of things. And we are prone to things like making excuses like those candles did. And in the process, we miss out on the opportunity to let our light shine because that light is switched off. And so as Christians, our task is to leave the light on, Yeah. Verse 18 to 20, it says, Don't get drunk, instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We leave the light on in our lives, Paul is saying here in this passage, by worshipping, by thanking, and by submitting. Worshipping. Three words that Paul gives us here. He says, we speak to each other from the Spirit, and we do this with psalms, hymns, and songs. 
Now, what good do psalms, hymns, and songs do for us? Well, they do lots, don't they? Songs remind us of God's character. As we sing songs, we get to participate in praise and active worship towards our God as a part of our sacrifice, what we give back to Him. But as we sing songs together, we also remind each other of the truths of who God is and what He has done for each one of us. And then as we sit in the congregation, we hear the voices around us singing the beautiful melodies and sometimes those beautiful harmonies that I hear some of you sing. We are stirred in our hearts and our minds to affection and greater love for God. And doing this together helps us as followers of Jesus to leave the light on. The second thing is thanksgiving. Paul says we are always to give thanks to God the Father for everything, not just some things for everything. This is really hard to do, I understand. But in being thankful throughout our lives, as we practice gratitude to our Heavenly Father, we leave the light on. And the third thing is mutual submission. In submitting to each other, we remember our place as a family, as a part of the body of Christ together. We are not just this individual that lives on an island in our lives, living lives for ourselves, with ourselves as the end goal. And that reminder helps us to leave the light on. I want to invite the worship team to come up as I, as I close now. We are light, but it's not because of anything that we have done. We are transformed by light but it's only when we are in Christ Jesus that this happens. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and we surrender our plans and our lives and our dreams to Him, when we allow the Holy Spirit to be the one who is at work in us, changing us from the inside out. You know, next month we're going to head down the road and we're going to celebrate Christmas together as a community at our Carol Spectacular. And it's going to be really exciting. I want you to imagine, just for a moment, if we were to host our Carol Spectacular in the middle of the day instead of 7pm at night, can you imagine just for a second what it would be like watching our fireworks display? We'd be watching it there in the middle of the day, the sun would be blazing it would leave a lot of people pretty disappointed, wouldn't it? It would have nowhere near as much of an impact or nowhere near as much of an experience as it is at night. And that's because the light shines brightest in the darkness. That is what it does. So as we go from here in our separate ways this week, there's going to be darkness that you and I come across. And I want to encourage you, have a think about one way that you can let the light do its work in and through you this week, both personally and in community? What can you do in your personal life this week to connect with God more intentionally? How can you leave the light on? How can you maybe expose that darkness? It could be as simple as making a commitment. I'm, God, I'm, I'm going I'm to pray daily. I'm going to read your word daily this week. What can you do in your interactions with others that you come across this week to demonstrate personally the light that you have received? Where are those opportunities? Do you know where they are? When and what are they? And what might it look like to make the most of those opportunities and not let them pass by? And how can we do all this in a way that is authentic and full of grace 
and peace and the love that comes from God? Would we be people that are recognisable by our light? Would we be a community of believers who collectively turn away from the darkness and turn towards the light? I know I personally want to continue to see firsthand the change that the light of Jesus brings to our community. I want to see that more and I believe that the best of that is yet to come. I want to see lives transformed because we were bold enough to stand up and stand out in a world that is desperate and it's full of darkness and in need of hope. I want to share and experience that goodness of Jesus with other people because I know deep down within me that that is truly the only way to live and do life. And so would we live in the light so that those around us would see and experience that goodness that can only come, can only come with a relationship with the light giver. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you are the great light giver and that you have shone your light on us. That light that shines in the darkness, Lord, has the power to transform. It's nothing that we can do, Lord, but it's all of your work and it's all for your good. And so, Lord Jesus, we just pray that you would help us reveal to us your light. Show us those spaces that we need to be transformed in. Humble us. Help us to work together. Would we be that community of light and life and freedom and hope that only comes from you? Lord, would we be that for you? Would we be those agents of light in a world that needs to know the truth of who you are? And so we look to you, God. We can't do this without you. And continue to help us and prompt us by your Holy Spirit and show us those spaces, those places, those people. Even pray right now, Lord, as, as you're working, just prompt us of those people in our lives, even this week, to reach out to. Show us how it is we are to be, because we want to live in your light. We thank you for that. We thank you for your light in us, and we trust your light. In Jesus' name, amen.